0: Supplication
1: Friends, Welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to Big Q&A. This is the show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God and faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Pastor Gary, minister to Brighton, Seventh-day Adventist Church in the beautiful city of Adelaide. Our big questions for this week. Did Jesus really exist? Is Jesus more than just a great moral teacher? Did he really rise from the dead? Does the resurrection matter anyway? Is Jesus the only way to salvation? Our co-host today is Pastor Joseph Matacek-Joseph, the Executive Secretary of the Seventh-day Adventist Church in South Australia. Welcome to you, Joseph. Great to be here, Gary. It's good to have you back at the end of the weekend again. Oh, yes. It, it's come around quickly, hasn't it? It certainly has. <laughs> what exciting things did you get up to over the weekend? Uh, on the weekend, I was able to uh,
2: join uh, with my family in watching a, uh, a special program from the Senate Dennis Church uh, broadcast across our whole r- uh, South Pacific region, Gary. Um, it was yeah, really inspiring to see uh, what God is doing across, really, across the whole Pacific region. It was wonderful seeing all those stories that were in there, wasn't it? It was, yeah. Despite the uh, restrictions of COVID 19, uh, the, the message of God is getting out there and, uh, yeah, his people people are, are, are sharing and, and
1: responding. It's amazing how much creativity that actually bubbles to the surface when, you, uh, when you're when you forced to do things differently, isn't it? That's exactly right. Yeah, yeah. And Joseph, look, we're coming out of lockdown at the moment. Do you prefer to work at home or in the office? That, that's interesting. Uh, probably a little bit of both, Gary. To be perfectly okay, honest. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So in the future we may not see you as much in the office. <laughs> that's that's possible.
2: Yeah. It's been look. There's been uh, advantages. It, it, it's been uh, it's nice to have been able to be at home. Uh, yeah. Th- certainly avoid the travel time you save on, on, on travel time um, thanks thanks to everything being online um, it, it's easy enough to set up a, a mobile office pretty much kind of anywhere you can set yourself up mm. at home and, and go for it so that, that's that been an advantage there. Um, it, there there sometimes can be distractions though at home. What are some of the hardest things about about working from home? Uh, probably uh, that uh, if, if other family members are around yeah. um, and yeah. you take a bit of a break that can be a distraction. You can you can get sidetracked and get caught up with with other things. And it and and there are things at home or in the yard or, or, or that you that you probably can be drawn to do. Yeah. Um, and yeah, unless you're really disciplined, you,
1: you I've can, heard some people complain that the pantry becomes a little bit of a problem. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that that can also be a bit of a, uh, an issue too. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, so what would be the easiest thing about uh, about working uh, a virtually oh, I would think that um, probably you can you can really focus in on
2: on the task at hand yeah. um, uh, you don't have people coming and you know, sort of dropping in so to yeah. speak uh, yeah. that can interrupt your flow of work yeah. at, at, at an office kind of thing again people can kind of call or the phone might ring a bit more uh, whereas at home you um, once you focus on your task, you, you can get that task done in in quicker time. Yeah. And, uh, and uh-huh. as I said, as I alluded to a little bit before, uh, the other easy thing about it is um, you can you can just get into it. Uh, you can start earlier um, uh-huh. and finish uh, yeah more efficiently, or you can yeah it flex the hours uh, and you and you save on not having to, to travel in traffic.
1: So there are some really good things that are
2: starting to come out of this, aren't there? I think there are. Yeah, there are. And, and going forward, I think some some meetings are probably going to be more. Streamlined, rather than get, get, get people having to gather in from distant areas. Yeah. Um, if if they are shorter meetings or you know if, with a specific focus,
1: I think more of it will be online. I agree. I agree. Yeah, let's come to some music. This is the Easter Hymns Band. Uh, from heaven you came. It's called the Servant King.
3: From heaven you came helplessly. Entered our
1: Again to Faith FM Drive Time Big Q and A with Pastor Gary. Our co-host today is Pastor Joseph Madachek. Joseph's the Executive Secretary of the Seventh Day Adventist Church in South Australia. And this week we're asking: and Did Jesus really exist? Is Jesus more than just a great moral teacher? Did he really rise from the dead? Does the resurrection matter? And is Jesus the only way to salvation? But before we move to our question today, it's wonderful to be able to welcome to the studio today, Charlene Luzick. Charlene is the ADRA leader for both South Australia and Northern Australia. Charlene, how do you do two huge areas?
4: Oh, just got a lot to do, but you just get it done.
1: I tell you what, multitasking must be an amazing (laughs) skill of yours.
4: I do multitask. Say that you should focus on one thing and get it done, but I find myself kind of just jumping from one to another to another, but it it all gets done.
1: Yeah, yeah, I I can fully believe it. (laughs) You've had uh, bushfire assistance, you've got COVID, and then the associated financial challenges that go along with with both of those. And uh, then of course you've got the oversight of a a multitude of op shops, food pantries, providing disaster support, emergency funds. How do you keep it all going?
4: (laughs) With a lot of wonderful, wonderful volunteers. That's how we do it.
1: Yeah, yeah, I can fully believe that. You know, it's so often we concentrate on the money that gets given to a particular enterprise, but often the real power behind anything that happens is actually the volunteers, isn't it?
4: Absolutely, And, and we're, you know, end of financial year, we're talking budgets, and that's what I was stressing about last week is trying to get these budgets in for next year. But what we do is we really try to put a value on... On the volunteer hours it's not mm. actual money exchanging hands but we say look if these people were on minimum wage how much of their time like like putting a value on your time which you can't do because mm. you know people are giving you their time how do you put a value on that but then if you include that in the project all of a sudden the project is huge because the value counting people's time so,
1: very very important <laughs> i'm really pleased you shared that uh, tell us something what's been your most inspiring story of 2020
4: well, wow. <laughs> so many. Yeah. You mentioned the bushfires and, and and COVID, but not to forget the drought. That was stretching into into this year as well, and we had yeah. some teams going out um, to certain regions responding for the drought. That's affected a lot of farmers and families across the country. Um, that's a really difficult question, but I, I guess, you know, talking about volunteers... Actually, we had uh, National Volunteer Week uh, last week. Yeah, that was
1: just very recently, it was wasn't very it? Very
4: recent, yes. Yeah. And so for me, what really hit me especially oh, it's during any disaster response, is the volunteers that, that, that come out of the woodworks and say, look, we're here, we want to help. Mm. But especially in the COVID, in the face of COVID, there was a lot of fear, there was a lot of uncertainty. And, and like every organisation, ADRA put out some guidelines on how we can do COVID safely. Yeah. And part of that was to send messaging to all of our volunteers saying, look, if you are... 60 and over, if you're 70 and over we strongly encourage you to really take care of your health, if you if you are at risk to please stay home and take care of yourself, but mm. what I found was when we were communicating this out, so many of the volunteers said, we don't want to go home, we see the value, we see how our services are so needed in this community, and I, had a, I even had a few of them say to me, if you send me home, I'm just going to come back anyway yeah, <laughs> and yeah. that passion, that passion and understanding that what they're doing is really con- contributing to society and, and meeting needs where there's just
1: so many needs. That desire moment. to actually care for others yes. is so powerful. It seems in times of disaster, uh, people really step up to the mark. Oh, there absolutely. seems to be a care for others absolutely. that you, you you don't seem to get when life has gone gone back to normality. Absolutely. So really it's those volunteers that have really stood out to me. I think that's really uh, really exciting. Uh, tell me, uh, Charlene, how do you recruit your volunteers?
4: Oh, variety of ways. A lot of people on social are on social media these days. So, say for an for an op shop, if we need some more volunteers, we'll put some messaging out on social media on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're not, uh, if you haven't tapped into our social media on ADRA, um, just just look for us on Facebook. It's a great way to stay in touch. We often announce if there's any needs or anything. We put it on Facebook and on on, on the ADRA website, which is www.adra.org.org. AU. Mm-hmm. Uh, we often direct people to the ADRA site because it, when if you go on the site and you look up volunteers, there's actually a, a place for you to register on there to become an ADRA volunteer. Okay, so if
1: you go onto the ADRA website, yes. you can actually register if you want to become a volunteer.
4: Yes, and we're in the process of updating that right now so you can actually say which project you'd like to be connected to. I'm not sure if they've finished it yet, but that's that's in the process at the moment. However, uh, a lot of it is word of mouth. when okay. when, when people are really happy where they're at. They're part of a family, In you know, the ADRA volunteer family. They tell their friends and a lot of people come along and say you know, there was a lady up in Townsville I remember that was saying that, that she was at home every day, all day. She didn't mm-hmm. leave the house. She was a homebody. She said I was just at home and my daughter um, pushed me to come and, and do something and I and I was so scared and I was so shy and I came and I started volunteering and now she's she was the assistant manager and she says I just just love coming in here because I belong. And so people, they tell their friends and they bring their friends. So that's one way that we get volunteers. Oh, that's
1: really tremendous too. I think that's really important because I love that analogy that you use there about it being very much like a family because I know I've been involved with two or three uh, op shops in, in particular and the people who work together seem to grow together and it's almost like a supportive family uh, develops around that particular ministry.
4: Yeah, especially, you know, in, a, in our society today, There are so many lonely people, and I've spoken about this before. And for, for people, especially older people who have a lot of time on their hands... Some of them are disconnected from their family yeah. and some people literally don't have anybody.
1: And you know, Charlene, just uh, during this recent COVID thing, that really stood out to me in one particular way because I actually was talking on the phone to a to a lady, one of my my church members, and uh, she, she needed something uh, that she could get from the shops. And so I made the offer. I said, look, can I possibly go and get it for you? Mm. And uh, she said to me, she said, oh, pastor, no, please don't do that. Don't do that. I can talk to my daughter she can take me out and that will get me out as well Mm -hmm. i've got to be able to get out and i'm just really conscious that at the time in which we're living at the present time uh, that is something that is really impacting a lot of people that loneliness that you Mm -hmm. speak about
4: absolutely so when they can be a part of something and and get given some kind of a role so they're responsible for something a lot of people find a new burst of life a new you Mm -hmm. know reason for Mm -hmm. getting up in the morning and it's contributing to society I think that's a, a, a big part of it, is to be, be a part of a bigger program that, that's really making a difference.
1: Okay, so if people want to volunteer to be part of the, an ADRA team, go to the ADRA website. Now, that website again is...
4: www.adra.org.au
1: Okay, thank you so much for that.
4: But I also encourage you to, to sign up. Jump online and sign up for our newsletters and our emails that go out because that can keep you in touch with what's going on. It can share um, yeah. successes from you know previous campaigns that we've done and what's what's happened with that money Mm. Uh, so yeah just just sign up for our our
1: they're wonderful little newsletters actually I know I get them myself Mm. and uh, I'm just so conscious of how much they keep you in the loop Mm. of things which are really happening out there and they're always up to date Mm. and able to share with you some really inspiring stories Charlene thank you so much for sharing all of that that is an incredible blessing and I really appreciate the work that you do do I've got to say I believe that working with your volunteers working in the industry that you're working in must be one of the most rewarding uh, areas that you could possibly possibly work in yeah Uh, shana thank you so much for that and we really look forward to seeing you again next week thank you thanks so much Jesus save me and from what? Faith FM's free offer today is the Hidden
0: Truth Magazine, exploring your hard questions about faith and Christianity.
1: To get your free Hidden Truth Magazine, go to faithfm.com.au forward slash offers or call us on 1 800 Faith FM. That's 1 800 324 843. Welcome back. You're listening to Faith FM Drive Time Big Q&A with Pastor Gary. Our co-host today is Pastor Joseph Matichik and Joseph's the Executive Secretary of the Seventh-day Adventist Church in South Australia. This week we're asking some really big questions. Did Jesus really exist? Is Jesus more than just a great moral teacher? Did he really rise from the dead? Does the resurrection matter? And is Jesus the only way to salvation? It's a It's a big question. Those questions are questions that have been asked for years. It's more than 2,000 years since his death. And yet he remains one of the most influential lives in all of human history. Certainly more than Plato, Henry Ford, Buddha, Moses, Muhammad or Confucius. He has over a billion followers worldwide. His life story is the best seller every year. His birth date divides history BC before Christ ad anodonami in the year of our Lord his birthday is celebrated every year at Christmas is respected by almost all religions not just a Christianity and yet that brings us to our big question for today did Joseph, did Jesus really exist? What is the evidence of the New Testament, and is there any extra biblical evidence? Joseph, look, tell us. You know, Jesus is—did he really exist? I mean, they're big things that are still uh, still impact society today. Did Jesus, yeah, even exist?
2: Gary, I'd like to share uh, five lines of evidence. Uh, that, that show that Jesus did, did really exist, um, th- and th- these are th- these are very very interesting ones that that are, that are quite quite fascinating. The, the first line of evidence, Gary, is um, the Bible itself. Uh, what, what we what we read we read there um, right at the very end of uh, one of the gospels, which is the the, the biography is on the life of Jesus. Um, right at the very end, John, uh, one of the disciples of Jesus, uh, said this. He said, uh, "We uh, this is the disciple who testifies to these things and who wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true." And then he says, "Jesus did many other things as well." If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would would be written. So it clearly states there that uh, that this is a true record of of the life of Jesus. Um, then, uh, if we go over to a- another interesting passage, this is one that's written by Peter, mm-hmm. another disciple of mm-hmm. Jesus, uh, in in his little book Second uh, Peter, chapter one. And verse 16, he says, We did not follow cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Mm -hmm. Peter says here that he, along with the other disciples and the others that were around at the time of Jesus, they were eyewitnesses.
1: That's certainly the thing that comes through the entire new testament isn't it you know you get this picture of uh, disciples who have witnessed the things which they are writing about exactly yeah first hand mm. that, that they were
2: first hand witnesses and we know today how crucial an eyewitness account is uh, a, as evidence as evidence of an event uh, then so, so we have john and peter who were Disciples of Jesus, and they themselves say, "We, we saw it ourselves. We are mm-hmm. eyewitnesses." And then this this just keeps on uh, being uh, repeated, Gary, and and just keeps coming through the Book of Acts, Acts, Acts of, Act of the Apostles, uh, w- which describes uh, the beginning of the Christian Church, which mm-hmm. which recounts events. Um, Following the the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus is just full of the fact that uh the the people that were living there that the early Christians uh just knew were convinced uh, about that jesus had had, had lived and, and existed and you know for example, in Acts chapter four and verse thirteen, this is when Peter and John were were arrested uh, by the by the Jewish leaders at the time. It says there that they uh, that they referring to Peter and John realized that they were. This is Acts four thirteen. I'm reading. They realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. They were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Mm. They noticed that these men had had been with Jesus. Uh, Peter and John couldn't stop talking about Jesus. Uh, Later on in Acts chapter 4 and verse uh, uh, 32, it mentions that again in in chapter 5. Acts chapter 5, uh, at at the very end of this chapter, uh, it says that day after day, this is the last verse. Acts five forty two. Day after day, in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. And and that's just a, just a little snippet of time and again. It's just full of it. It's just the, the you know, Peter and John, these these apostles, and then the the other believers just w- were convinced that Jesus definitely did did live, that that he was who he claimed to be, that he died, that he rose again.
1: That's one of the most powerful things, I think what you're sharing at the present time, because I know in the in the New Testament, one of my favourite books is the Book of First uh, John. Now of course, I call it Little John. Uh, it's a nice, easy way to remember it. but it opens up in such a beautiful way. It says this that which was from the beginning, which we've heard, which we've seen with our eyes, which we've looked upon, which our hands have handled concerning the word of life, that which we have seen and heard, we declare to you, that you also may have fellowship with us, what you get at the beginning of this particular little John book is this picture that we 're sharing things but we 're sharing things that we have seen and heard touched and tasted and to me, I think as when I realize that I, I see that the the New Testament is actually making some some amazing claims about what is actually going on in those early years. Of the New Testament church. Exactly,
2: Gary. The the New Testament is just uh, full of references to the fact that Jesus did really exist, that did he did live, live. It's just totally based on that whole premise that yes. Jesus was a historical person. Mm. Uh, that's the first line of evidence, the, the, the Bible itself. Now, zero in a little bit more on, on my second line of evidence, and that's the biographies of yes. Jesus. Now we better we know them better as the Gospels, yeah. the the four Gospels: Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Now, two of these, Matthew and John, were actual disciples of Jesus. They they were uh, uh, the, 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 of the twelve that uh-huh. were with Jesus. So, and we've we've mentioned um, what John himself wrote. You've just read that there too. Uh, they wrote what they saw and what they heard. They were direct eyewitnesses. The other two, Mark and Luke, were not of the 12, uh, but but Mark was a companion of Peter, who was one of the 12. Uh, Peter, probably the best-known disciple. And Luke uh, was a historian. Now, this is interesting because Luke himself begins his gospel, begins his biography, if you like, uh, Gary, with these words. Uh, And I'm reading from Luke 1, verse 1. He says, Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us. Mm. Many. Mm. In other words, yes, we have the four in the Bible, but there were others writing about the same thing. Clearly, Jesus existed. People just knew this, and, and others refer to it. He goes on, uh, Just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses Ah. and servants of the word. Uh, Luke then says, With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus. Uh, he uh, Luke here refers to a specific individual uh, to whom he's addressing his 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 biography. But notice what he says there: it seemed good also to him to write an orderly account. Oh. So in other words, Luke Luke has uh, researched, uh, read all these other accounts, and he's going to put one together too.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: It's, it's clear that what we find here are uh, a researched account on the life of Jesus, Luke's, Luke's, Luke's gospel, oh. and the others are eyewitness accounts. Uh, so the second line of evidence is the biographies testify that Jesus clearly was someone who lived, who, who did really exist. Uh, and and uh, I guess as a further backup, uh, just very quickly, um, 180 AD, uh, Irenaeus wrote to confirm that the four Gospels were actually written by by who we understand that they to be yeah, um, yeah. to confirm the authorship of of the four Gospels. So, the question then is: Do do these Gospels actually stand up to scrutiny? It's all good and well to have these uh, uh, biographies, but are they actually? are they valid are they valid exactly yes, right yes, yeah. yes. are they genuine are they trustworthy mm. the answer is yes for a number of reasons one is they are consistent in their message mm. they are consistent in their content another thing we see is that they that there isn't this uh any idea of a cover up or some bias uh you see you read their the good and the bad gary mm. uh, it refers to you know the, the the those disciples of jesus at times who failed jesus who who, who weren't weren't getting what he was teaching it records that. It doesn't gloss over it or, or ignore that. So. It's,
1: it's, what you've got here is four people who are telling the same story. And you would expect when four people tell the same story that there would be minor differences in the telling of those right. particular stories. But there needs to be some internal consistency between them, doesn't there? And what we actually find in the New Testament, in the Gospels, is you find that internal consistency.
2: Absolutely, it, it, it is definitely there. That they they were four individuals; that were, they were quite diverse, and yet that the the message is so consistent. and mm-hmm. And I guess what's even more significant is the the emphasis on these biographies. Bit 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 unlike most biographies today, Gary. Most biographies today, you know, spend quite a bit of time describing the entire life of a person. Mm-hmm. The biographies of Jesus really are weighted towards uh, that last. Uh, days of his life,
1: yeah, and yeah.
2: that really em- shows us what the true emphasis of of Christian faith is, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and and that's what we see. So the second line of evidence, the first line of evidence is the Bible itself. The New Testament itself is 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 just predicated, It's just based on the fact that Jesus did actually exist. Mm-hmm. Then we have the second line of evidence, which is we have not just one, not just two, but we have four. Accounts of the life of Jesus four biographies mm. and they all stack up to scrutiny yeah. uh, the third line of evidence Gary is what we can call the documentary evidence in other words were these biographies of Jesus reliably preserved mm.
3: Mm.
2: and you know what fill us they, in on that well, well, what does that actually mean what that means is Gary so when you and I now read our Bibles okay the, the, and w- when we read those Gospels when we read those biographies we are not reading the, the, the original that, that Luke wrote okay exactly, exactly. I mean, that was, for was a start written it was in reading in Greek. Greek exactly um, nor are we reading you know, the, just the, the very next copy of it it is a copy of a copy of a copy we, we simply do not have the originals that's that, that's a scenario so th- therefore the situation is well how on earth can we actually say that what we're reading is what actually Luke wrote for example mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. Matthew or, or, or John well this is where it gets really interesting there are so many copies Gary that what the New Testament has in its favour is that these unprecedented number of copies that have survived and they can be compared and when you compare all these copies you find that there is remarkable
1: consistency between them. And that is actually one of the most powerful things because if you think about it, early in the New Testament what happened is that many different copies were made, but they were sent out as gifts, if you like, to many different towns, many different churches. And then copies were made of those copies. But do you know, when you have a copies of copies, maybe from Antioch, and copies of copies from Corinth, and copies of copies from from Jerusalem, somewhere down the line, what you're able to do is you're able to compare them. And that's what we're able to do today because there are so many copies of the New Testament. We're able to compare them, and we can actually track back to where we believe they actually originated. And the thing that stands out is how similar they actually are.
2: That's exactly right. And uh, so we, we th- these were originally written in, in Greek, but then they were translated, translated into other languages such as Latin and Syriac, and and then from these I- I- into some others, and that's, that's where sometimes they refer to them as like secondary languages. Uh, but, but note how this compares to, for example, other ancient documents. For example, one example, uh, Tacitus, was a Roman historian in around 116 A.D. So this is this is this is just second century. Uh, we only we have only one copy of the first six books that he wrote. Mm-hmm. And that was actually copied in eight eight hundred and fifty A.D. Wow. Eight hundred and fifty A.D. So we're talking about six hundred plus years later. Mm. Uh, by contrast, there are over five thousand Greek manuscripts of the New Testament, of the Gospels and other New Testament books. Then there are some 8,000 plus copies of the Latin manuscripts, which is referred to as the the Vulgate. Uh, uh, What's fascinating to compare also with another example is Homer's Iliad. Mm. Now, next to the New Testament, there are some 650 copies of it.
1: And that's not really a lot of copies when you compare it to the New Testament. Exactly right, exactly right. And that's
2: why, uh, to quote uh, a couple of scholars on this, they say this, the New Testament has not only survived in more manuscripts than any other book from antiquity, but it has survived in a more purer form than any other book, a form that is 99.5% pure. That's the third line of evidence, yes. the docu- the documentary evidence The fourth line, so that, that's all good and well But it begs the question now Gary, and that's what I'm getting into now um, Okay, we we have the, the accounts that are in the Bible We We can verify them, that's good and well But is there any other reference to Jesus outside the Bible? Mm. There is, or I should say there are Share
1: there that are. with us, that's important
2: let me begin with Josephus, mm-hmm. a Jewish historian. He was writing in the first century, the late first century. So this is really significant timing because uh, the New Testament, the last books, uh, certainly the last book of the Bible was towards the end of the New Testament. And this uh, man's not a century.
1: supporter of Christ, is he?
2: he not at all. Uh, he, he, he's actually considered a bit of a traitor of the Jews because he surrendered to the Romans. Mm. And uh, yeah, and he, uh, he wrote uh, a couple of a number of significant things let me share a couple this is what he says being therefore this kind of person i oh, a yeah, heartless sadducee ananias thinking that he had a favorable opportunity because festus had died and albinus was still on on his way called a meeting literally sanhedrin of judges and brought into it the brother of jesus who is called messiah james by name and some others He made the accusation that they had transgressed the law and he handed them over to be stoned. Josephus here is referring to Jesus and to the brother of Jesus, Mm. James. It refers to Jesus who is called Messiah. That's significant. Both James and Jesus were common names back then. There were lots of them. But but, but, uh, Josephus is actually making it quite specific. Uh, this is using a phrase that's appropriate for a Jewish historian like Josephus because the reference to Jesus here is it's a non-committal, like, like you touched on before. He, yeah. he, he, you know, Josephus doesn't have any self-interest here. Uh, but he's just verifying historical fact, makes
1: a non-committal, neutral statement uh, that Jesus did exist. In other words, it's a, as far as Joseph, Josephus is concerned, this is a simple, factual statement right. of a person called Messiah who lived in the first century. And he's got no other reason, no bandwagon he's pushing. It's just simply in his writings.
2: Exactly right. And then there's more. Uh, now, this is an interesting one because people think that uh, some other things may have kind of been added to this record. And, and the significant point is, even if it was, the, the very fact that still Josephus refers here to Jesus, let me let me read it, is is, is, is very, very powerful. Josephus says this, Around this time there lived Jesus, a wise man, if one indeed ought to call him a man. For he was one who did surprising deeds, and a teacher of such people as accept the truth gladly. He won over many Jews and many of the Greeks. He was the Messiah. When Pilate, upon hearing him accused by men of the highest standing among us, had condemned him to be crucified, those who in the first place came to love him did not give up their affection for him. From the third day he appeared to them restored to life. Fascinating here. Another reference that Jesus he existed. Reference to who, to, to Pilate who who, uh, who handed him over to be to be crucified. That he rose on the third day. So verified outside of the biblical account
1: by a historian. And that's the point there. That what we've got in the New Testament what we've got here in Josephus is a recognised historian of the New Testament is actually writing about Jesus. Uh, he's, he's got nothing to push. He's not trying to push a barrow. That's, that's significant. Let's keep going. Let me give you another example. Tacitus, a Roman historian, uh, about 116, 117 AD. Now, this man actually hated the Jews, I understand it, hmm. the Jews and the, and the Christians. Okay, okay.
2: And he, he uh, here in some correspondence, uh, says, uh, "Neither," and I'll quote, neither human effort... Nor the emperor's generosity, nor the placating of the gods Ended the scandalous belief that the fire had been ordered by Nero Therefore, to put down the rumour Nero substituted as culprits and punished in the most unusual ways Those hated for their shameful acts Whom the crowd called Christians The founder of this name, Christ Had been executed in the reign of Tiberius By the procurator Pontius Pilate Wow so pressed for a time, the deadly superstition erupted again, not only in Judea, the origin of this evil, but also in the city of Rome, where all things horrible and shameful from everywhere come together and become popular. So here he refers again to, to Jesus, to the Christ, refers to him being executed. It's, it's verifying, Gary, the biblical story. That, and Years that, later,
1: that is is my Tacitus is generally regarded as one of the most well the most significant uh, historian in New Testament times he comes just a 100 years after, uh, after Christ and the apostles so he's very recent he has access to all the documents he's familiar with Nero he's familiar with some of the uh, significant Caesars that are on the throne and he's able to make comments that are backed up by history and to me when I look at that I say hey outside of the New Testament, that becomes a very powerful evidence.
2: It does. It does. And, and there's lots, lots more. I, uh, just, just a very short one. Uh, Pliny, a governor of Bithynia, he refers to Christians here, Gary. Uh, and this is just at the start of the second century. Uh, refers to them saying this, they chant verses alternately amongst themselves in honour of Christ as if to a God.
1: That That really does stand out, doesn't it? It does. It does, yeah. I think let's just come to some music and then we need to come back because I'm conscious our time is already starting to escape from us. you trust the Bible? How could a loving God create a devil? How can a man called Jesus save me? And from what? Faith
0: FM's free offer today is the Hidden Truth magazine, exploring your hard
2: questions about faith and Christianity.
1: To get your free Hidden Truth magazine, go to faithfm.com.au forward slash offers or call us on 1-800-FAITH-FM. That's 1-800-324-843 back you're listening to Faith FM Drive Time Big Q&A with Pastor Gary our co-host today's Pastor Joseph Mattercheck Josephs the executive secretary of the Seventh Day Adventist Church in South Australia and today we're asking that really big question did Jesus really exist is there evidence outside of the Bible Today I'd like to just invite uh, invite Joseph to come and uh, come and share, just wrap it up if you can, if you can, Joseph.
2: Yeah, thank you, Gary. Look, th- there are, I believe, five lines of evidence that show that Jesus did really exist. Mm-hmm. There's, there's the evidence of Scripture itself, or the, the, mount, uh, the, the whole New Testament. Uh, then there are specifically the, the, the biographies, the, the four Gospels mm-hmm. um, that clearly uh, refer to the, the fact that Jesus was uh, a historical person. Then we tested the, the, the documentary evidence. Uh, those biographies stood up to scrutiny. Uh, they are reliably preserved. The fourth Line of evidence is the whole evidence outside the Bible. Historians that lived um, after that time who, who, who document th- th- that, and uh, and then the fifth one is is archaeology. Is is the fact that um, there are there are places that we can today go that are, that are very. Sp- sp- the, the very places that are mentioned in the Bible, mm. the Sea of Galilee, for example, the city of Jerusalem, Gary. Uh, it, it's it's undeniable. These are the same places where Jesus walked, where Jesus uh, lived, where Jesus taught, and yeah. um, where he where he died and, and was buried, and from where he rose again.
1: Mm. No, that's uh, thank you for that, Joseph. That's powerful. But you know, it's a remarkable story, but. What are the implications for humanity? I mean, what's the implications of you know, a person who has, as the New Testament said, had a supernatural birth, you know, got miracle working power? What are the implications of that? Do you understand today? The implications are huge. Uh, the,
2: the implications are that that Jesus was not just a good man, but that he was indeed who he claimed to be, mm. that he was the Son of God, that he, he was the one that came to save people from their sins. Yeah. Uh, that 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 means that uh, what Jesus came to demonstrate to do, when he came and and showed that he came to forgive sins, that's what he can do in your life in my life, in our lives. Mm -hmm. It means that uh, we're not just following uh, him, because he set a good example we 're not just uh, uh, listening to him or reading his material about him, just because he he taught some good teachings, oh. but because he came to save us from our sins, and because uh, he has the power to come into our hearts, to change our lives, Gary, mm. and to, uh, to make us uh, new people.
1: This is actually one of the questions we want to deal with tomorrow. Was Jesus more than just a great moral teacher? Because there are so many in our world today who would actually suggest that uh, Jesus, if he did exist, and I suggest the evidence is certainly there to say that he, he did exist, uh, but that Jesus is... A good moral teacher, but really you can't take it any further than that. Whereas the New Testament uh, goes far further uh, than that. Absolutely, yeah. You know, the whole premise is
2: that he came to save us from our sins, and that he he he, he died for us, that he will forgive us. And uh, that He makes us right with, with God. Uh, that 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 really is at the heart of it. A couple of things, if I can just mention, Gary, uh, as we as we sort of uh, yeah, we have concluded that the evidence is clearly there that Jesus did exist yeah. without a shadow of a yeah. doubt. Uh, the implications are massive. Let, let me share this this from uh, the Gospel of John chapter twenty, verse thirty one, which says, "But these are written." That, that is the refer- that the life of Jesus is written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah the Son of God and that by believing you may have life in his name. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. the implication of this. If he indeed did live then by believing in him we can have eternal life because that's what he came to offer uh, to humanity and he He did that because he did died and he rose again
1: and uh, conquered death and gives us hope of eternal life. Yeah. That's something about the biographies that you spoke about because the biographies while they give factual evidence they actually also interpret that evidence so that they say hey how what does all this actually mean? You know, I I think of the probably the most many people's favorite text, you know, John 3:16 for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son you know uh, we get in the uh in the gospels get the picture of this um baby born supernaturally to one mary but why did that occur well the gospels actually go on and they explain and, and they share and they're saying well it's because god so love the world there's an interpretation put on it in the new testament but that interpretation doesn't actually detract from the uh, evidence that is actually based uh, in in those facts that's right and uh, we
2: are to come to believe in him and because jesus did actually exist because we know he he did come as the bible says there's there's one final profound thing here Gary that same Jesus promised and stated that he would come back again mm. Mm. come back again not as a baby but as a king come in the clouds of glory and because we know that he did come that first time 2000 years ago we can have certainty that he will come again that what he promised about his return is going to take place and we can be ready. We can, uh, choose to believe and accept him and be ready for when he does come to take us, uh, to, to the heavenly home that he's
1: preparing for no, us. No, that's wonderful. Uh, Joseph, look, our time is, is gone. Would you like to just close with prayer today? Let's do that. Lord,
2: we just, are humbled uh, as we recognize how much evidence we are blessed with that indicates that Jesus did indeed live that he did exist and we have the privilege of reading for ourselves studying from the gospels these these biographies of the life of Jesus and they're not just to record history but they are to to lead us To that, we can have belief in Him, faith in Him, and to know that what He claimed is who He truly was, that who you truly were, Lord, and that, that, that is something most profound. Uh, The implications are huge. Please bless each person that's listening today, Lord, we pray. Thank you that our faith can be based on solid evidence, and that what we read, we know we can trust and look forward to the day when uh, what you promise, your return, will also take place. Is my prayer for all of us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well,
1: folks, it does look like our time is up for today. Thank you so much for joining Pastor Gary and Pastor Joseph Matichik on Drive Time Big Q&A. Tomorrow we ask, Is Jesus more than just a great moral teacher? Really look forward to seeing you. But until then, please remember Christ said, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give isn't like the peace that the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. May the Lord richly bless you
3: in all that you do.